0: Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is T.J. I'm one of the pastors here at Coastal, and uh, we're glad that you joined us this morning. We got a lot going on with our building project. We're starting a brand new series today called Arrows, and and I just wanted to kind of give you an update. So that was that was last Friday that that happened. Uh, that we were pouring the foundation of our, our, our of the slab of our building. And so I have a picture that was taken Friday. Uh, those are walls that are up to about 12 foot in the air right now. And uh, they're getting ready to pour the, the first bond beam all the way around our building. So over the next two to three weeks, you're going to see it start to go up to about 30 foot in height. And so, man, they are moving along and doing some incredible, incredible things. And so thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you for continuing to give to the vision of making it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. And listen, we don't have to wait for a building for people to experience that. That can happen right here. But we're excited about going to a building. Let's just be honest. So uh, uh, anyways, man, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to give some more updates here in the coming weeks of of what's happening and what's going on with that project. But uh Today we're starting a brand new series called Arrows, and and I am so pumped about this series uh, because it kind of came from an obscure story in the Bible, and we'll get to that in a second, but uh, I don't know about you, but have you ever prayed kind of this prayer before have you ever prayed the god would you just use me kind of prayer anybody ever thrown like thrown that hail mary kind of prayer god do something awesome with my life prayer uh, I, I know from my life i've i've, I've kind of like i don't even care what it is like there's nothing specific to it just just do something like just like show up in my life in some form or some fashion or some manner and one of the things that I've realized about God is that uh, God's, like, our words to God's hearing a lot of times gets lost in translation or it feels that way. Anybody ever experienced that? Like, God, do this in my life. And then, like, the exact opposite happens for your life. You're like, God, that, that wasn't what I asked for. It's like, God, do something awesome. And it gets translated to God, like, God, please wreck my life. Anybody ever had that happen to them? Am I the only one? Come on. Am I in the right church, or are you all perfect? Raise your hand if you're perfect. I just want to know. Okay, there's a couple of y'all. You got, we, we'll pray for you afterwards. There's going to be some prayer team right back here. We'll get the demons out of you, because you're crazy. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Don't, don't lynch the communicator. But I've just found that a lot of times, really, when we go, God, do something awesome with my life, that God does end up wrecking our lives. Because the only way that God can do something awesome in our life is if he changes us first so that we can handle awesome in our life. And some of us need to hear that today because we're going like, why isn't this awesome? And God is going, well, I'm trying to prepare you for awesome. But if I gave you awesome right now, five minutes later, you would have awesome screwed up because you're still involved in it. Just go ahead and shake your head yes. Like, yeah, I got that. That's me. And so there's this obscure story where there is this king, and he is in a difficult moment. He's like, God, I need you to show up and do something. And uh, it, it, it's actually found in 2 Kings chapter 13. And by the way, the, the next couple of weeks are going to be a little bit different. Um, you're going to get some scripture in your, in your outlines, but uh, like you're going to fill in your own notes for the next couple of weeks. I feel like God told me, like, I, I've been doing all the work for y'all. It's time for you guys to mine for some truth on your own rather than taking all of my truth. It's time for some of us to, to, to grow up a little bit and, and grab some truth out of God's word. And, and, and so I'm just going to preach a little bit. And I'm going to yell a little bit. You're going to listen. I'm going to yell some more. You're going to listen. I'm going to yell some more. It's going to be awesome. And so uh, there's this obscure story in, in 2 Kings chapter 13. And uh, it's a story of this king named Jehoash. He's in a difficult time. He's an ungodly king. But yet he knows he's about to go to war. And so the only thing that he knew to do was to call on the prophet of the Lord. And his name was Elisha. And Elisha is at the end of his life. And so we pick up this story in 2 Kings chapter 13. And it says this, now Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. He's basically saying, God, listen, I need you to help me out. Like we're in a difficult situation. And and he's not calling him my father, my father because he has this great relationship. But he's crawling out to him because he realizes that without God on his side, it's all going to crumble. Elisha said get a bow and some arrows and so he did so he said take the bow in your hands He said to the king of Israel and when he had taken it Elisha put his hands on the king's hands Open the east window. He said and he and shoot and Elisha said and he shot and the Lord's arrow of victory the arrow of victory over Aram Elisha declared Now, Elisha is is doing something significant here. I just want to stop real quick. He's having the king shoot the arrow, and not the king just by himself shooting the arrow, but he literally puts his hands on the king's hands as a signal, as a significant moment saying, listen, there's something greater behind you than you yourself. Like there is the power of God that is going to be on your life to go not only defeat Aram, but have complete and total victory over Aram. And I think a lot of times God is saying to you and I, he's saying, listen, I've got complete and total victory for your life. And it's not going to be because you're going to go out there and do it of yourself, but it's going to be because my spirit and my power is behind you. He says, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. I have no idea if that's how you really say those. Then he said, take the arrows, the arrows that were left, and the king took them. And Elisha told him, strike the ground. And he struck the ground three times and stopped. And then the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it but now you will only defeat it 3 times So on the front of this story, there is this promise from God. You are going to have complete and total victory in this area of your life. Man, God's declaration is that you're going to overcome this. You're going to walk in this. You're going to have this happen. And then go. God, the man of God says, here's what I need you to do now. I need you to strike the ground. And he struck it until he thought he was satisfied striking it. And then the man of God says, man, if you would have, then this would have taken place. If you would have struck the ground not three times not not when you saw fit to stop But if you would have continued to strike the ground, you would have not just defeated them three times You would have had complete and total victory over them And I think a lot of times we walk through life Wondering why isn't god giving me victory in this area? And the reason god is not giving us victory in the area is because we quit short of victory We go, hey, I've done enough at this point. I don't need to do anymore. I struck that arrow three times on the ground. When God's going, did I tell you to stop striking the arrow? Did I tell you to quit doing what I asked you to do? We think that God isn't working in our lives when in actuality all we've done is just quit on God. Hello. Hello. How many times do we pray, God, do something awesome with my life? God, do something significant in my life. And when it gets hard, we just quit short of awesome showing up. We quit short of significance happening in our lives. I love going to restaurants. I love eating out. Anybody else love eating out? Anybody else love eating out way more than cooking? (laughs) Have you noticed when you go to eat out, you don't have dishes to do? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So my wife and I, we we happen to go out to eat a lot. And if you've ever gone out to eat with me, one thing you'll discover right away is that I am the fastest eater on the face of this planet. I mean, people that have been out to eat with me, they'll just, like, be cutting into their entree, and I'm already, like, finished with my entree. It's like, like, I just inhale food. And, and one thing that I've noticed over time is that because I finish so quickly, when I'm at a restaurant and the, the server, you know, I put my silverware facing out, facing the opposite direction, signifying that, that I'm finished and you can come clear my plate. So servers come over to our table all the time, and they take my plate, and they go to take other people's plates, because they assume, because I'm finished, everybody else must be finished. And what are the, the, almost 99% of the time, my wife will stick a fork in that server's hand and be like, I'm not finished yet. You know, she, she loves food, okay? I don't know how it is. She weighs like nothing, but yet eats a lot of food. And so, like, you don't take food from a hungry woman. It's just something I've learned. And so, <laughs> man, I didn't, I didn't realize that would get such a reaction. My goodness. Settle down, simmer down, ladies, simmer down, okay? I think that there are times in life where people want you to be finished, but you're not finished. There are times in life where everybody else is done, but God's not done with you yet. There are times in your life that that the world will always tell you to stop short of being finished when God's not finished yet. And a lot of us, we walk through life with this mentality that we have failed when reality is is that we've just quit in life. And there is a distinct difference between quitting and failing. And there's got to be this internal resolve inside of every one of us that goes, you know what? Man, what God has started inside of me, God wants to finish and we can't quit before he's finished with what he started. I need to catch my breath here. I'm not I'm not used to preaching like this, so you gotta you gotta We're gonna have some church today. That's all I gotta say. I actually wonder how much is inside of each and every one of us that's not finished yet. I wonder how much we've started that God wants us to complete that we've just quit on. I mean, I can think in my life, and I can look at situations where where God was starting something in me, and He wanted me to do something, and right in the middle of it, I just quit, and right in the middle of it, I just gave up on that hope, and, and, and I can look and say, you know what, I just didn't finish that right there, God called me to step into this place, or this season, and that was something that God taught me to do or asked me to do, and somewhere along the way I lost my resolve, I lost my courage, I lost my faith, I lost my trust, I lost my desire to follow him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and therefore I've lost an opportunity. And what happens a lot of times in order to kind of get ourselves out of the way is we use this fatalistic wording like, man, if God wanted that to happen, he'll just make that happen. Like, God will just go ahead and do all those things even if you won't do it. It's like God has, is so concrete in life that he is no longer creative, the creative person of the universe. And so we, we automatically go, well, well, God must not have wanted because he didn't do it. And God's like, uh-uh, no, I wanted that done and I wanted you to do it. See, here's the deal. When we believe it can't happen, God still does believe it can happen. Listen, God is not in heaven having a crisis of faith. The only thing that is a crisis in his life is you and me. We're the only crisis he's having. It's like, why won't they trust me? Why won't they keep going in this situation? And so I've been thinking about this all day because I'm like, man, I don't want to live a life that's half done. I want to finish. I don't want God to come, or something to come and take the plate of what God has not finished in my life yet. And so how do I finish strong? How do I have the fortitude and the strength to finish what God has started? How do I keep beating the arrows on the ground until God says, that's enough. There's not even an arrow left in your hand, but you're continuing to go. And so I started thinking about the life of Caleb, and uh, Caleb finished so well, and, He refused to quit when everybody else was settling in their season. And when everybody else thought the job was done, Caleb was still running after the vision that God had given him. And after all the battles had been won, he was still ready to battle in his life. And in Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 through 9, the the Israelites at this point have gone and defeated a lot of the enemies of the land. And and, and so what's happening, it says, now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgag. And Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kizanite, said to him, Come on, y'all don't know these words either. It's okay. (laughs) You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. And I love this because... He didn't bring back a report according to to reality, but he brought back a report according to his convictions. He didn't just bring back facts, because if you've ever noticed this, facts are wrapped up in us. It's amazing how two people can come back with the same facts, but end up with a different destiny, isn't it? And so, it says... And I brought him back a report according to my convictions, but my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance, and that of your children forever. Because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now, what's Caleb Asking Joshua in this situation, he's going, hey, do you remember when back in the day, way back in the day, like 40 years ago that, that, that Moses sent in spies and we were two of those spies and we went and checked out the land. And you and I, we were bros, man. We, we saw eye to eye. We had a vision because we had a conviction inside of us. And we came back and we said, hey, guys, that land is ours, but everybody else was haters. And they're like, there's no way we can do it. And so he's reminding Joshua of where they were and what they were doing. Then in verse 10, it says, Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today. 85 years old and I love this part man that gives me 46 more good years He's like man. I'm 85 if I'm still breathing God's not done and he goes. I'm still as strong today As the day Moses sent me out I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified but the Lord helping me. I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb. Remember that right there. Joshua blessed Caleb son of Junipah and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb son of Junipah the Kizanite, ever since because he followed the Lord the God of Israel wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Karath Arba after Arba who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from war. Now, I don't know if you really caught that phrase, but the the phrase that I want you to highlight there or remember, it says that Joshua blessed Caleb. How did Joshua bless Caleb? Joshua blessed Caleb by giving him the inheritance of a land that was still occupied by giants. Joshua blessed Caleb by giving him a territory that was still at war. Joshua blessed Caleb by giving him a land that wasn't already at peace and a land that wasn't already conquered. Joshua blessed Caleb by giving him another battle that he had to step into in his life. And I I think so many times we misunderstand this idea of blessing. When we think about God blessing us, we think about a life of comfort, a life of peace, a life of easiness, a life that is just rainbows and butterflies and nothing goes wrong and we can just settle and be secure. And I wonder if it's in those moments that God is just appeasing us rather than blessing us. So what have you been asking God for? A land where you never have to battle? Or a land that's in turmoil so you can bring peace to it? Caleb goes, Joshua, I'm not finished yet. He goes, I'm not finished yet. Some of y'all, you need to declare that over your life today. I'm not finished yet. Come on, say it with me. I'm not finished yet. See, you need to decide in your heart that you're not finished just because everybody else is finished. That you're not finished just because some other people have decided to finish. That you're not finished just because you're tired in this moment. That I'm not finished just because you're satisfied right now. That I'm not finished just because everybody else seems to be settled in their life and they're comfortable. See, I think we need to decide in our heart that we're not going to allow anything or anyone to decide when we're finished. Because everyone else was done. I mean, here's Joshua. Even Joshua's done. He's dividing up the land among the, the peoples there and he's he's giving it away. And I think Joshua and Caleb, because they were bros, Caleb's like, dude, I'm not finished yet. There's some things still to be done here. And Joshua, you and I go, dude, we need to go back. Because you remember when we were young and we were hungry and when everybody else was saying no, we were saying yes. Like, we need to get that back. Do you not remember that? Let me remind you of what that was like. Let's go back to Numbers chapter 13. It says, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community in Kadesh in the desert of Paran. Where they reported them into the whole assembly and they showed them the fruit of the land. They they gave Moses this account. We went into the land for which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large, and we even saw descendants of Anak there. In other words, the giants, the, the giants that would eventually give birth to Goliath. And the Amalekites lived in Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. I love Caleb's boldness. It says, But then the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. They spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, The land that we have explored devours those who are living it. All the people we saw there are of great size, and we saw the Nephilim. They're the great descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. They said, we don't want to go there, or we're going to be finished. We don't want to go there and, 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 and die there. But here's the problem with that kind of mentality. If you don't go there, you're going to die right here. So they could die and surrender before the battle. Or they could go and battle and truly live. But they would rather just exist than truly live. And their decision was, we don't need to do this. Because I've seen them and we're already finished. They wanted to quit and call the whole promised land a failure. But I would submit to you that their failure was the fact that they were willing to quit. So the question is, is, are you finished yet? Are you finished yet? I think God is looking around and he's just looking for somebody that goes, I'm not finished yet, God! I'm not done yet. I'm not finished just because those people are finished. I'm not finished just because Susie's finished. Sorry, Susie. <laughs> See, I don't think that there's so many people that want to experience the wonder of what happens in community. There are people who, who want to come to church, but they're not willing to fight. For what causes the church to have life because when it comes to sacrifice and it comes to giving beyond yourself and and getting involved and dying to yourself, they're like, no, 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 I don't want any part of that. And it's in those moments you see who's not finished yet and who is. Who's willing to sacrifice for a better and bigger world out there? Who's willing to, to put it all out on the line? I know that this is going to be super controversial, and I'm not typically a controversial guy, but this is the best example I can find out there in the world. There's this guy that has kind of taken the National Football League by storm named Colin Kaepernick. And uh, I know that I'm not supposed to talk about that as a pastor, but uh, you know, here's a guy that uh, a year and a half ago decided that he was going to sit down because he believed that there was an oppression of... of colored people doesn't matter what color they are that was going on and he didn't believe that he should stand until oppression stopped and uh and and the very oppression that was happening was was over wealthy white people which he happened to be working for which is kind of ironic and uh and and so he's created a lot of there's been a lot of flack, a lot of heat, and while, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't really matter where you stand on the subject of it, what I think is interesting is, is that here is a, a very, very good NFL quarterback, and, and a lot of people will go, well, this isn't about racism, you know, this, this is really uh, uh, about capitalism, you know, uh, and, and so you have all these white, wealthy owners who are saying, hey, we're not going to give him a job, and, and so I justify that in my mind, this isn't really a racism problem, this is a capitalism problem. And, you know, and, but then I'll think about the fact that if, if I owned an NFL franchise, I want to put the best possible players on the field, and I'm pretty sure Colin Kaepernick is better than Jay Cutler. <laughs> let's, let's just be honest, Jay Cutler's terrible. So, I mean, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that Colin Kaepernick's better than 50% of the quarterbacks in the National Football League. And so while I can justify it as capitalism, but if that's the case then you'd want to put the best product on the field to win more games to make more money. And so it's really not about capitalism. And here's a guy that said like I don't really care what happens to me. In fact, the day that he did that, I was doing all this research on him. The day that he sat down, he said, "Listen, I don't care if this costs me my job. I don't care if this costs me my endorsements, which has cost him all of those things. Like I'm going to stand for what I believe is right." Actually, He said, I'm going to sit for what I believe is right. And today he is completely out of the NFL, much to the the hype of a lot of people that are like, good, he doesn't need to be in the NFL. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but because Colin Kaepernick was willing to take a stand, there are a lot of Colin Kaepernicks kind of coming up all over NFL teams today. It's not just one person's calls, it's a lot of people's calls now. And because he was willing to take a stand, he was willing to say, this is where it is. Uh, Like something is transforming in that community right now. And whether you like this point or not, here is the point of it. There has got to come a time in your life where you decide, this is the battlefield that I'm willing to die on. This is the field that I'm willing to lay it all down, and I'm going to die right here. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter that those people tell me to shut up. It doesn't matter that those people don't believe in me. This is where I make my stand, and I'm not finished yet, no matter who tells me I'm finished. <laughs> Listen, if you let everything go in your life, it means that you have nothing to hold on to. There's got to be some things that you just go, man, this matters enough to me. This is significant enough in my life that it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody else stands at. I'm going to take a stand, and I'm going to give it all right here. And Joshua says to Caleb, you seem to have forgotten. They're both like 85 years old. There's some, there's some reason maybe they've forgotten. He goes, man, you seem to have forgotten. When everybody else was giving up, we wanted to run in. When everybody else else was wanting to call it quits, we were wanting to go into battle. Don't you believe that they're going to want to quit now too? It's exactly when we should be running in and battling because I'm not finished yet. And there's got to be something, church, that matters more to you than you do. There's got to be something in your life that compels you to go, man, no matter what, I'm not finished until it is finished. Now, here's the thing that I've noticed about life and that I've just realized is that opportunities look really awesome up front, don't they? Like, opportunities are these uh, 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 amazing, amazing elements uh, you know, what's so exciting about opportunities that are out there is that they're they're opportunity. And I don't even know if that's a word, but that's what I think. You know, opportunities are opportune. And so no great entrepreneur looks at a situation and goes, there's no opportunity there, so I'm going to jump in and do that. They don't do that. They look for moments that are ripe for a harvest. They look for moments where they can create Significance in that moment and a lot of us what we do is we dive into things that we think will give us the future We long for The problem with opportunity is it has this very very strange dynamic to it If you were to look at an opportunity It has a really really big funnel on this side at the front end of it And as time goes along that funnel gets down to a very very narrow center and then at the end of the opportunity, it funnels back out, and it's really huge. And when you see somebody come out of opportunity, you're like, wow, that is amazing. I wish I could have been a part of that opportunity. I wish I could have gotten in on that moment. And some of you guys, you're, you're old enough to have gotten into some great opportunity. Some of you are old enough that you could have gotten in on the front end of Apple. You could have taken a bite of the Apple and be been eating apple pie for the rest of your life but you didn't some of you are old enough that you could have gotten in on ibm on the front end and and you could have been living the dream today but you didn't some of you are old enough that you could have gotten in on the tv when it was being invented just kidding uh yeah See, this is what I know, that there are opportunities that are right before all of us, right here, right now. That we won't see until somebody is coming out the backside of it. And if you've ever talked to some of the people that come out of the backside of it, you realize this person isn't that smart. <laughs> like, you, you have some conversation, you're like, how in the world do they hit it big because I am smarter than them." am. See, the difference is, is that they saw an opportunity when you didn't. Want to know why? Because they were looking for an opportunity. Because opportunities are really, really big on the front end and really, really big on the back end. The problem is is they get really, really narrow in the center. And it's in the center of the opportunity where most of us bail out on the opportunity. We bail when it gets difficult, we bail when it requires discipline and determination and resilience and hard work, and most of us bail when it requires much less sweat, maybe even possibly blood. Those are the moments we bail. And see, those are the moments when most of us go, man, I'm over this. Anybody ever said that like, hey, I'm over this moment, man, like I'm over this deal. I'm over this relationship. I'm over this marriage. I'm over this job. I'm just over it. And the problem is, is that when you are over it, you end up under it. And you've got to decide in those moments that I'm not finished until it's finished. And I think that there are certain things in life that you've got to give yourself to to and decide that no matter what the pain, no matter what the sacrifice, no matter what the blood, no matter what the resolve, no matter what the tears, this is the material that God is going to use to accomplish something that would never happen unless I put it into it. Can you imagine Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane? When he's saying, Father, is there any other way? Not my will, but your will be done. That's what he said. What if Jesus said, I'm over it. I can't take this anymore. These people, they don't get it. You gave me this guy Peter, then Acts, and then he thinks, God, seriously, is that the best person you've got to give me? Then you've got this guy that just doubts all the time. Then there's these two brothers that think that they're all that, and they want to sit on my right and my left. Come on, God. Surrounding me with all these women named Mary. What am I going to do with that? See, most of us, if we were in the garden, since Jesus began sweating drops of blood, We would have said, I'm over this. We said, peace out, Jesus. Peace out, God. I gave it my best shot. I'm not going forward because this is going to require more of me, more sacrifice, more blood, more sweat, more suffering. And honestly, I'm so glad that Jesus didn't give up in the middle of the process. I'm so thankful that he didn't give up because... The the front side was a virgin birth. He's like, hey, what's up? Pretty epic moment. It's like walking around like virgin birth. Who else has done it? The back side is a pretty epic moment. Raised from the dead. After three days, hello. Holla at your boy. But it's in the middle of this season that we call the passion. Where Jesus was mocked, where Jesus was beaten, where Jesus was humiliated and his dignity was stripped of him. He was beaten so profusely that he was unrecognizable. And he died alone on a tree knowing the hatred of the people that he loved with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm so glad that Jesus decided that he wasn't finished until it was finished. I think it's kind of ironic that his last words were teletisti, meaning it is finished. And if Jesus' life teaches us anything, is that the life that comes after the resurrection only comes when we step into our crucifixion. See, but so many of us, we keep trying to live the life of God outside of the suffering of Christ. And I think God today is looking for people to say, I'm not done yet. I'm not finished. It doesn't matter if I'm discouraged. It doesn't matter if I'm overwhelmed. It doesn't matter if people are rising up against me. It doesn't matter what my friends say. It doesn't matter what my feelings say. I'm not finished until it is finished. let me say this because i i, I, I want to say this is some of our our older adults in here that are getting to a point where they think like maybe my time has passed that it's ended i love the fact that kayla says i'm 85 years old listen as long as you're still breathing god's not finished yet and i think some of you guys are putting yourselves on the bench of the game of life when god is going hey it's time for you to get in and do something I've got some significance for you right now. The battles aren't over for you. In fact, I need you to go and lead some younger generations of what it looks like to battle in life. I need you to get out front and show them that I'm not finished yet just because it looks like it's finished, that there's still a purpose, that there is still a plan, that I've got something for you. See, I know a whole bunch of 25-year-olds that should be warriors right now, but they're passive-aggressive on the bench, and they need some young, some older people who have fought in battle in the, in the older times of their life to show the younger ones how they can be a warrior all of their life. So don't give me an excuse that you've wasted too much time. Susie, you can come on up here. You're probably just going to have to pray because I'm running really late. But I I know that some people need to hear this because some of us, you're going, man, it's too late and you're reflecting on your past and I believe that Jesus would say to you and God would say to you and the Holy Spirit would say to you, the entire Trinity would say, stop reflecting on the past because I've still got a future stop living in yesterday and start living in today and tomorrow because I've got more for your life don't give up in this season there is something I need you to step into and so man if you want to come to church God bless you we're glad you're here if you want to change the world get in the freaking game and let's kick some butt for Jesus but listen it's going to cost us something it's going to cost you something going to cost you everything. In case you haven't connected the dots, you cannot live the life God created for you to live until you give God the life you have for the one that He has for you. Would you guys bow your heads in prayer? And Susie, pray for us. Heavenly